The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, I, I don't know who wrote that song, but when I start singing it, I can connect so much with just how inadequate I feel like my praise is um, to think that uh, an infinite God in heaven loved me so much that he did not spare his own son. Uh, Father, would you overwhelm us more with your greatness, with your goodness, with your power, even as we look at your word now, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. All righty. You ready? Okay, I've been kind of chomping at the bit here a little bit this morning. We were gone uh, last week. My wife and I were out visiting my son, who has moved to Wyoming. Uh, he and his family of four doubled the population of Wyoming, which is kind of uh, interesting. But uh, you kind of have to, my son's a little, we'll say, he marches to the beat of his own drum. I don't know how to say that. Um, so we get there, and he says, Dad, we got to do something manly bonding. <laughs> so you're like, you know, does he not know you? Um, but uh, he, he said, and he's always been into this thing where he takes um, uh, cold showers. He says good for your health. Any, anybody? Anybody into that? You guys did that? Figured. I figured. Uh, they, they would bond with my son. I knew that. But, uh, you know, I, I, it's supposed to be real good for your health. I just always figure... I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to be that healthy. Uh, but but anyway, so we get there, and he says, "Dad, I found this new thing. Instead of uh, instead of cold showers, there's a, is living in Wyoming. He says there's this mountain lake that is ice cold. He said you can go down to the dock and you just jump in. He said it's great. Be bonding. Now, if you heard the other options he gave me for manly bonding, you'd understand why I chose that one. Uh, so last Saturday afternoon, actually, we go down there, and sure enough, uh, I do the manly bonding <laughs> and uh, we jumped into the lake and uh, for some reason his wife had never done it but she said yeah, I'll, I'll do it with you this time so she did it and then my wife felt left out uh, she was like I should have done that too so so we had to go back again Sunday to the lake so that my wife could jump in also and I have a video of that if anybody would like to uh, see that for a small charge I will be glad to show it to you but uh, that's uh, that's where we were last Sunday afternoon last Sunday oh yeah I have a little what time is it yeah I can tell you real quickly we went to his church I think I told you about they don't do child care Got to tell you, <laughs> thank you, uh, everybody down that hallway. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't. Uh, I don't know what the guy preached on. I was just watching kids color and uh, and run around the church and have a good time. But uh, anyway, what do you think of when you see those two words? Seriously, stop and think with me for a minute. What do I think? Born again. Um, what image comes to mind? What type of person do you see? Is there a certain kind of person that that fits those words? What pops into your mind when you see those words? born again. When I was um, ninth grade is when I was born again. I'll tell you more about that later. But uh, I remember going into a school group and sitting down at a table somewhere. And the first chance that I had to really share that I had been born again, somehow in the conversation, it came up. And as a ninth grader, I announced that I was born again. 
and I happened to be at the table with the coolest guy in the ninth grade, Jed Podicar. Uh, he was cool because he had a boa constrictor. We used to go over his house every two weeks and watch it eat a, eat a mouse. Uh, that was cool. And uh, But uh, I remember Jed Podicar could also do a, a, a pretty mean Three Stooges imitation. Anybody? Three Stooges? Uh, so I remember when I announced that I was born again, he said, ah, one of those kind of guys uh, like that. It's a little curly. Anybody? I know my imitation isn't very good. But I remember that, oh, one of those kind of guys, one of those kind of people. Maybe you think of that. I think many do when they hear born again, there's a certain kind of person. Maybe it's uh, somebody who's uh, prone a little bit to emotional highs and lows, and, oh, they're on that, that kick now. That's the kick they're going after. You know, they're born again. They're chasing that. Or maybe you think of somebody who has been very down and out and therefore needs a lot of structure in their life, and they that would be good for them. You know, take the born-again idea to the prisons and to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, the rescue missions and things like that. Let's take it there because that's good for that kind of people. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word born again. But I do think that as we look at John chapter 3 today, which we're going to look at in a moment, uh, you will see that it is not simply a type of person. And regardless of what our image, our culture puts into your mind when you hear those words born again, uh, Jesus explains to us exactly what that means. Now, we've been going through the different ideas on the church website of as far as what we believe. Uh, this week, the topic is salvation. Let me briefly read uh, what we have on the website. It says, here's what we believe. We believe that man is helpless to save himself and that salvation is a gift of God received solely by grace through faith in the work of Jesus Christ when he took on himself our sins in dying on the cross, thus exchanging places with the believer. We have a few references. One of them is from Romans where it says that uh, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Another from Ephesians where it says that uh, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works. Unless anybody wants to brag about it, they can't. It's not of works. It's by grace through faith. And then uh, 2 Peter 2.24 is also there, which it says he... Him, I'm sorry, in himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, that there is this new life to be found in, in Christ. Okay, but if we look at one of Jesus' most famous encounters in Scripture in John chapter 3 with a fellow by the name of Nicodemus, I think it will help us really grasp what Jesus taught this was, what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved or have salvation. And I might be using words that you're thinking, oh, boy, we're going old school here. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I could come up with the most common uh, popular terms right now, but the truth is these are actually the words that Jesus used. I didn't want to really apologize for them. I just wanted to jump right in here. Maybe I just did. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I want to jump right into John chapter 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. This man came to Jesus by night. Okay, got, can I get one more super corny joke in at the beginning? This was the original Nick at night. Nick and yeah, sorry. Uh, sometimes I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Boo. Uh, that's not what we do here. Okay, uh, anyway, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one could do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, truly, truly, you might remember the King James says, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless one is born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is where it starts. Now, we need to understand this about old Nicodemus. Uh, it says he was a ruler of the Jews. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. Okay, so he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was one of the leaders, a group of probably 20-some guys that were the master teachers, if you will. In fact, later on, I think it's in verse 10 in the same passage, it's going to tell us that he, was, he is called the teacher. So he might have been the cream of the crop as far as teachers goes, but he was definitely way up there uh, as, as far as the Pharisees goes. And we mentioned before that, uh, you know, when you hear that word Pharisee today, you think, bad, boo, you know, let's, let's throw things at him, but not then. Pharisee was the cream of the crop religiously. That's who Nicodemus is. He comes to Jesus by night, perhaps because of his reputation, uh, and he was protecting it a little bit. He didn't want everybody to know he was talking to Jesus. Perhaps he came to Jesus by night just so he could talk to Jesus more privately. We don't really know. But he comes to have this conversation with Jesus. Now, I want to point out a couple more things about old Nick. We're going to call him Needy Nick for a second here. Uh, I'll show you what I mean in a second. What did he have? Well, first of all, as we just said, he had religion. He was as religious as you can get. Uh, if religion was the key to a relationship with God, this guy had it, okay? He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, or at least one of the top Pharisees, one of the top religious leaders of the time. He had respect. This was a position where, like I said, nobody looked at us, oh, the Pharisees. They looked at us, oh, the Pharisees. Oh, that guy. That guy, he, he's got going. He really ha has that, uh, the respect of people. I, maybe because I haven't experienced a whole lot, but uh, uh, you, you begin to see when you look at the world how, how captivating having people's respect is. You know, just feeling like you have that power or you have authority. Um, I don't, again, I, I get in politics and I'm going to hurt myself and, uh, and hurt y'all. But, you know, when I, I hear a lot of talk about, you know, all these people who are hanging on in their old age. And I think, why are they holding on, hanging on? Is it, you know, it's not money. They have plenty of money. But I do think there's something just intoxicating about being in that position of power, you know, and, and you have that. And he had it. As far as what this earth could give him, he had as much power and respect as anybody. Riches, uh, this is a good paying job. Okay. The rabbis were well taken care of. I won't say he was the richest man on earth, but he was in the higher level for sure. Uh, we'll say reason. Uh, I needed a word to start with an R, but what I was thinking of is this guy is smart. Now, uh, what I want you to see here is this. We talked about maybe born again is there's a certain type. There's a certain type. You know, the highly emotional type. Maybe that's who goes for that, that stuff. Maybe it's the down and outers who really need to turn their lives around, or whatever like that. And what I want you to see is Nicodemus doesn't fit that profile at all. He had everything that you could expect as far as what was going on for him in the world. I mean, think he's, he's a man that would walk down the street and, whoa, there he is. There he is. That guy's as smart as anybody. He's the best teacher around. Uh, he's great. You know, he's got some, wow, you want to be like him when you grow up. This guy had everything. He really doesn't fit, if you will, the type. He had all these things, but there is one thing that he was missing, and Jesus tells him that there. He says, if you're going to have the kingdom of God, you must be re reborn. You must experience rebirth. I, li I like that word. Uh, we're looking at 
hopefully getting our uh, lovely billboard at the end of the parking lot changed. Uh, if there's a way we can at the end of the year, if you have not noticed, you really need to just for laughs, if nothing else, seeing the great marijuana advertisement out there. Uh, but uh, I wonder if anybody in here is gifted enough with a can of spray paint to change the word relief to rebirth. That <laughs> we could just do that, make it cheap if, uh, if we have somebody who's gifted in that way and has no conscience uh, and would go, go out and take care of that for us. That might be a good thing. But that's, uh, that, that is what Jesus said to him, this is what you're missing. Hey, here's a, here's a good way to say it. I, I heard this somewhere. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you are, you must be born again. No, ma- no matter how bad you are, you can be born again. That's, 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 that's pretty good. I forget who said it. I should give them credit, but I don't know who said it. But listen, the idea is if it's up to our righteousness, we are never going to be uh, righteous enough. God's holiness is beyond my best efforts. So the statement is that Jesus gives them is, you must be born again. Okay, I cannot achieve a level of holiness acceptable to God on my own work. Now let's read on. Verse number four, they continue the conversation because Nicodemus is confused. How can a man be born when he is old? Does he enter into a, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, no, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at this. Don't be, don't be amazed at this. I say to you, you must be born again. Listen, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you not the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive their testimony. If I had told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Let me go back through that section there before we read on and just look at what Jesus said. Nicodemus is confused. How can you be reborn? Do I go back in the womb and get born again? It's kind of weird. And Jesus says to him, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Now, first of all, I want to examine that phrase for a couple minutes here because as he spells out salvation, he says you must be born of the water. And that is looked at in a few different ways. Some people would say, well, what Jesus is saying there is that you have to be baptized. Okay, that's the water birth. Okay, so one, and that, that is the teaching of a doctrine that is called baptismal regeneration. Okay, I'm going to say this. I do not think that is what it is. Okay, I'll explain why in a little bit. There, there are those uh, that would say that in order to know this salvation, in order to be reborn, you have to be baptized in the water. I don't think that's consistent with things throughout Scripture. There are a couple places where the Scriptures will say you are to be baptized for the remission of sin. But if you look at it, what he's saying is because you have been, had your sins forgiven, because you have been saved, because you have been reborn, that is why you get baptized. We're going to have a baptismal service here uh, in a few weeks at the end, end of the month. It'll be a great day. Kids day in here. I want to invite you to let you know we're going to open up the baptistry and have that ready to go. That is for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ and would like to identify with Jesus publicly by saying, yes, I believe in him. I'm going to identify with the fact that he was buried I died for my sins and that he was raised again. 
So I'm going to go under the water, buried in the likeness of his death. I'm going to be raised again in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay, that is what baptism does. There is enough very plain evidence in Scripture that baptism is not a requirement, so, so we don't go there. Others would say, in fact, I have said that the the, bapt- the birth by water is a physical birth. You, the expression, they're water bursts. They're born uh, by water. Um, that I have actually taught that before. Still a possibility. I don't know if that's right or not, but you get a physical birth, which we've all have had, and you need to also have a spiritual birth. Might be, might be accurate or not, I don't know, but the main idea that I want to, uh, to point to is in Ezekiel chapter 36, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and for all your idols I will cleanse you. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put in you, and I will remove that heart of stone from, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh that's alive. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What he is saying is this new life that I want to give you, this spirit life, I think definitely when it says born of the water and of the spirit, definitely that spirit life is what it's talking about. You need to have spiritual life. You have physical life. You need to have spiritual life. Whether the water pictures that life also as a picture of the spirit, I'm not absolutely sure, but I do know for sure that Jesus is saying, you have been born once physically, you must be born again. Okay, but what does that mean? I mean, he uses this terminology and he starts talking about the wind, he says, the wind blows, I'm going to quote the King James, the wind bloweth where it lifteth, and thou heareth the sound thereof. I cannot tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. Okay, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, but that is, that is the, okay, what's he talking about all this with the wind? What is this idea? Well, the wind is, is a very mysterious thing. Some of you remember the old uh, Pocahontas Disney movie, my least favorite Disney movie of all time, but uh, but uh, talks about the color of the wind or try to paint the color of the wind. But it's that idea of this wind is, the wind is mysterious. You can't really tell or whatever like that. And I want to say straight up, Jesus is talking about this new birth. Uh, one of the things he's saying is, I'm not going to completely, uh, you're not going to completely, you're not going to see it. And okay, try, try to stay with me. I, I was trying to think through how to communicate this well. There are some things in my faith that I believe that my strongest argument, most convincing to me, is my weakest argument to others. Let, let me kind of explain. If I talked about why I believe the Bible, I could go through a bunch of different reasons, the historical, geographical, uh, uh, biographical tests that they, the, or bibliographical tests that the Bible passes. And I believe all those. I believe there is good reason to believe the Bible. To be honest with you, though, the best argument for me why I believe the Bible is because it's made a difference in my life. Okay, I can't prove that to you. I can't put it on paper and show it to you. Here I am. Uh, here's the difference made in my heart. There is in this spirit life somewhat the same aspect. We can't explain exactly. It's like the wind. Okay, I can't. You can't put your finger on it. And and I would say the same thing. Why am I so excited about new life in Christ? Uh, yes, I can logically go through and explain it a little bit what happens. But the truth of the matter is, the greatest argument is I know the difference it made in my life. I know the time when I realized that I needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. I, there was even a fear in my life of of going into eternity without Christ. And I knew what the difference was when I turned to Him and said, "God, I need you. I need you as a Savior. I believe in what Jesus did." on the cross. I believe it's for me. I know the difference that it made in my life, if you, if you will. So, uh, so it, it is somewhat, when we talk about it being a spirit uh, like that, I am not going to be able to, you know, sit you down. Boom, there it is. You, you have that. Also, uh, one thing about the wind, 
is it has obvious impact, okay? I'm sure you have said at one time, look at the wind out there. Well, you're not seeing the wind, are you? You're seeing the flag blow, or you're seeing the tree blow, or you're seeing the snow blow, or whatever like that, but you say, look at the wind. You really can't see it. The Bible does make plain that there is an obvious impact in the life of somebody who has this spirit life, and you will see the evidence of it. I cannot show you the transformation of my soul, but if it has taken place, you will see the evidence of it. The evidence is obvious. Um, when Francis and I were first married, our, our, the car that we came to the beautiful Michiana area in was a Vega, Chevy Vega. Some of you are like, what in the world? Uh, what in the world was a Chevy Vega? I think it was a 1972 edition. Uh, somebody had paid $39 at, at some place to get it all spray painted copper color. And um, that was the hide the rust. And it was pretty, uh, it was, it was pretty bad. Well, after a year or so of being uh, there in, in a church ministry, somebody took pity on us and said, uh, well, we'd like to give you a new car. It's not brand new. It's a Volkswagen Rabbit. Actually, it had over 100,000 miles on it, but it, was, it had been all highway miles, and it was a diesel. And they said, this will last forever. Man, I was so excited. If you'd seen the cars that I went through college in, you'd understand. I was so excited about this rabbit, man. I, I, uh, I you know, waxed it up, turtle wax. Uh, I, waxed, I, I detailed it, man. I had this baby looking good. I didn't let my wife ride in it. No, I, I let her wife uh, ride in it. But, you know, we had to keep it clean and everything like that. I had that thing looking as good. I was so proud of that car. Um, my dad wasn't really a car guy. And henceforth, I wasn't really a car guy. Nobody really explained about the whole idea of how important it is that you change the oil uh, and that your oil actually uh, be a certain color, not like sludge. Nobody explained it to me. Uh, so as, as I kept that car looking as nice as could be, I never did anything about the inside of it. And uh, one day we went up to Chicago to pick up her mother. I still blame her mother for this. But, uh, the, but on the way home, we just heard this clunk. And wop 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 uh, like that. It was I'd thrown a rod, and uh, that was the that was the end of my Volkswagen Rabbit. But the, you know that idea that I had the outside so cleaned up and so everything like that, but didn't take care of the inside. There wasn't that oil on the inside. Jesus comes back to that over and over again. He said, you clean up the outside. That's what he always was telling to the Pharisees. You clean up the outside. You've made that look good. But you need this oil on the inside. You need this new life on the inside. This is the secret. Except you be born again. If you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, he goes on and gives a little picture of that. Jesus still talking in John chapter uh, 3 says, and as Moses. Now, he connected perfectly with uh, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is an expert. He knows his story, I guarantee you. He could probably quote it to him. He knows the, the scriptures inside and out. And this is from the book of Numbers, chapter 21. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, we might read that and say, huh? As Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness. Again, Numbers chapter 21, uh, the people of Israel, the people of God are complaining. They're griping all over the place. And God says, okay, here you go. You're griping. You're driving me crazy. I'm going to send among you these venomous snakes. And they were getting bit by these snakes, and they were dying. So they began to cry out, Moses, we need some help. We need some help here. Moses goes to God, and God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this pole, and I want you to put a bronze serpent on it. I want you to lift it up in the middle of camp. That symbol that you see in the med- medical world still today, that serpent, uh, like, like that. And 
here's the thing. If somebody will look to that, look to the remedy that I provided, if they'll look at that, they will stay alive. So God gives us this picture uh, from back or, or you know, uh, Jesus gives this to Nicodemus who would know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, and in this powerful picture, one of the things that we say, you got to see the need. Okay, you got to see, you got to say, hey, we're dying here. We're dying here. These snakes are biting us. We got to see that need somehow. And again, this is something that Jesus is making clear to this Nicodemus. Well, born again, Pastor. Yeah, you're, what is this, out of the 70s? I take a time trip back and you're preaching a born again sermon. But what Jesus uh, was making plain to him, is this guy that wasn't the typical type you might think of being born again, was, was telling him is that he needed to have this new spiritual life. He needed to have this this oil on the inside as well as cleaning up the outside. He needed this. He needed a Savior. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up while Jesus Christ was lifted up on a cross in a perfect picture. And what was the message? Look and live. Some of you that know your old hymnals, look and live. Look and live, my brother, live. So we look to Jesus Christ. And when we do that, by okay, wait a minute, I have a need. I have a need. I need a Savior. What's the answer to that need? Jesus Christ. And I look to him on the cross. So I see the need and I look to Jesus now and I live. Jesus Christ. So it is, you say, well, pastor, this is, you know, awfully, let me, let me stop for a second here. Uh, a while back, um, I was preaching a probably similar message. I don't know. It might've been a year or so ago. And there was a, a guest in our congregation who was a pastor. I knew he was, his church had lost power that day. I, I don't think anybody will know who I'm talking about, but his church had lost power that day. So he was looking for a church to go to. And, uh, you know, of course, being incredibly confident, secure individual, I wasn't faced at all by this pastor sitting back there like this the whole time. Uh, like, what's he saying? Uh, like there, like I do when I go to other churches. But anyway, the, uh, but he's, he's sitting back there and I could tell he's kind of evaluating everything I was saying and, and everything like that. And he comes up to me afterwards. And, and when I was talking about this, I wanted to somehow explain the time when I was born again. I said, I prayed a prayer like this. I said, Jesus, I know that I can't get to heaven on my own. I know I've sinned in my own life that I can't do anything about, but I trust that Jesus paid the price for my sin. I put my faith and trust in that. I know that. So I kind of explained that. So anyway, the pastor said to me, he said, yeah, that's a pretty good sermon. He said, until the end. <laughs> okay. Far away, buddy. I want to just walk away. Oh, thanks for coming. Uh, but uh, he said, till the end, he said, he said, you told people that simply by praying a prayer, they would have eternal life. And I didn't really think I said that, but I don't want to in any way leave anybody thinking that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that simply by saying some words, you know, that you can read off a paper or anything like that. Hey, pray this prayer. This is how you get born again. There is a place in my life where I realized that I needed a Savior. Okay, I knew I needed him. I was convicted of my sin. Okay, I was dying, just like the people who had to look, look. And at that point, I realized that there was nothing that I could do. My righteousness was not going to be good enough. So I needed to trust in Jesus Christ. And in those verses we read at the very beginning there on the website, what it, what it says God does is God takes our sin upon himself. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 5.21, um, 2 Corinthians, I believe. 
in one of the Corinthians, you'll find it, 521. Uh, but it, it says that uh, what, what happens is God says uh, he takes his, our sin upon him, and then he pays the price for that sin. And in the process, he imputes to us. He puts into us his righteousness. The Bible says that we can become the righteousness of God. And that's what took place. And I don't want to ever be like, oh, you just pray prayer. No, it is a place in our, in our lives where the Spirit of God shows us this need, okay? What did Nicodemus do with it? Well, what we know about Nicodemus is he was involved in the burial of Jesus. He had become, and there's great evidence to say that he became a follower of Christ as a result of this. Uh, he turned to him in that way. But I want to finish up this passage. You might know where I put my little, ah, I got stuff all over the place, glasses, remote. Um. I want to go ahead and finish this up, but I want to mention something. I'm going to use, stay with me on this. I don't want to offend anybody with my first statement. We need to have more than an Awana Christianity or an Awana understanding of Scripture. Here's what I mean by that. I love Awana. Uh, I do. I mean, we, we had it here. If, if it was a great opportunity, some of you I know I use, take advantage of other churches that have it. I'm not in any way ragging on Awana. My grandson is a Sparky or a pre-Sparky or I don't know what he is. Uh, whatever's, whatever the youngest thing is. But, uh, but anyway, glad for him to do that, learning the memory verse, everything like that. Many of you I know grew up through that, and you learned different verses. Okay, that's, that's great. And honestly, that's not great, but that's great. I'm glad for you to do that. I'm glad for you to stencil all the verses you can around your house, write them on a three-by-five card, carry them, have the Word of God. We do want to remember that sometimes we just take uh, things so totally out of context, we miss some of the whole idea of things, okay? The most memorized verse in Scripture is John 3.16, for God so loved the world, <laughs> you know? But don't take this lightly, okay? I know you've heard it before. Think about it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Maybe you've memorized that section. Do not miss what Jesus went on to say. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only Son of God. I am delighted if you memorize John 3.16. And, you know, I'm not trying to... This, just be despairing to that at all. But do not miss the fact. Okay, I'm sorry. He goes on. And this is the judgment. that light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been, uh, uh, his works have been carried out in God. As we examine this gift, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do not miss that the acceptance of this gift leads to eternal life. But also, please do not miss the rejection of that gift. The scripture says very plainly, leads to condemnation. The book of 1 John, which is written by the same author, uh, lays this out very clearly that we can know that we have eternal life. And I want to, you know, our, our topic today is just to talk about what we believe about salvation. I want to make clear to you this. We don't believe that because if anybody struggles with sin, they are not saved. Let me say that again. Wait, you still struggle with sin? Well, you can't be saved. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul made it very plain. He continued to struggle with sin. Okay, the fact that you struggle with it and don't just give yourself over to it completely is a good sign that you, that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. You are not comfortable in your sin, so you continue to struggle. That makes it good. I am not suggesting that if you cannot tell me your spiritual birthday, okay, you know, your physical birthday. When was your spiritual birthday? Mine was, uh, I actually remember mine. Mine was December 22nd, uh, some year. <laughs> <laughs> 70 something uh but uh a while ago but i'm not suggesting that you need to say hey this is the day that i uh, made that decision this is the time that i was born again that i, that I know that I am not suggesting that if you have any doubts that you've ever had any doubt about salvation um i mentioned this before my salvation rests in jesus christ he is the object of my faith there have been times when I kind of wondered, hey, uh, I wonder if I did this right or, or whatever like that. I kind of doubt it myself and my part in it. The most important aspect of our faith is not the amount of our faith. The most important aspect of our faith is the object of our faith, that our faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did. And I cannot, even having a personal conversation with any one of you, say, well, hey, I know for sure that you have eternal life, that you have been born again, that you have this new life. I, can't, I cannot guarantee you that, but what I can do is tell you what Jesus said. He said, you must have this. He said, you must have this new life in the Spirit. And I died to make that possible. I died so you could have that. And if you look to me, if you believe in me for forgiveness of sin, I'll give you that eternal life. And, you know, if that is something that is, you know, has been, you know, question mark, I will be glad to sit down and talk through that with you and show you some scripture like that if that's something you're struggling with. But I want to tell you up front, I'm not going to be able to say, whoop, yep, you're definitely saved. You're definitely not saved. That wind blows where it lists <laughs> Sorry, I went back to King James there. That wind's blowing around there. I can't explain the wind completely. But I can say this, and, and I'm not trying, uh, please. I'm just trying to talk to you. You got that here. I'm not, I'm not trying even like to be super preachy right now or anything. If that is something that you're not sure about, please see the gravity of this situation because Jesus said you must be born again. Please see and if And if that's something that is, you know, well, I'm not real sure, you know, I, I don't know like that. Like I said, I would be glad to try to sit down and talk to you. We have some other folks who could uh, do the same thing and kind of explain th through that with you. Because this is, let me go back to the statement I made earlier. There is nobody that is so good that they don't need to be born again. There's nobody so bad that they can't be born again. And, and Jesus Christ, and his message was very plain. And th this is so much the core. Okay, what do you believe around here? We believe Jesus is the Savior. I cannot work my way there. I love, to, I love to rag on religion because to me, religion is just man's attempt to make himself right with God, and they're going to fail every time. Religious ceremony and everything like that is just man going, uh, trying to figure out how he can satisfy God, and, 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 he's, and he's playing this game that I always played in my head. I know somewhere there's this big scale, and uh, on one side is my good works, and on another side is my bad works, and whichever wins out, you know, I'm going to walk up to the gates of heaven, St. Peter's going to say, ah, you lose, uh, you win, or whatever like that, and we kind of have that vision in our mind that the good has to outweigh the bad. 
What the scripture says very plainly is there is nothing good that I can do to balance out the wrong that I have done before God. Therefore, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm going to tip that scale in a way that can't be said because I'm going to put my righteousness on your account and then you win. And that's all we can hope for. When it comes down to the question of where will I spend eternity, I'm not trusting in being a pastor, believe me. Uh, I'm not trusting in being a good guy, good husband, good father. I'm not trusting in any of those things. That's all going to fall apart. I'm trusting in that I believe that Jesus Christ, God's only son, took my sin upon him. I don't completely understand that. Again, let me go back to what he said. This is something in, in, a, in a realm, an internal realm that I don't know that we're going to completely grasp. It's like the wind, like that. But we know that it's there, and we know that that is real. Hopefully, did a decent job at explanation there. If I did not, though, like I said, please do not walk away. Well, I didn't understand that. If you're confused, dig. Find out. This is so important. It's, it's, it's almost like it's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. No, it's not almost like it. That's exactly what we're talking about. A matter of life and death, well, that's only temporary. A matter of eternal life and eternal death, that's pretty doggone significant. We're going to close uh, by singing again, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. Trent and Patience and David and Barry and Jenny, are you going to sing one too, Jen? Oh, okay. So. <laughs> You know, I heard her singing uh, when they were practicing. She's pretty good. We have a recruiter up here. But um, as, we close in, as we close in singing, um, uh, the, the other thing that I do want to say, and again, this is just personal testimony. I remember still, and it was 50 years ago, but I still remember a time when, I don't know how to explain this, I knew I needed the Savior. I knew it. I mean, I, I didn't... I, I don't know how, how else to say it. I was like, I, I, you know, it's, uh, I'm not going to rest well until this. And, and, I, and I asked my brother who, who knew the Lord, I asked him some questions and stuff like that and kind of dug into it. I knew it. I don't know how to put that on, you know, get you to connect with that. But I ask God's Holy Spirit to help you connect with that. And if that is something where you are, please don't push it aside. Please don't push it aside. Foundationally. Here's what we believe about salvation. Man is in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. Look to him. Look to him, not to any church. Father, please teach us this uh, beyond, our, beyond my power to explain it, I pray, and beyond our comp, uh, comprehensive power even uh, yeah, that we would see your eternal truth in this, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.